Welcome to the New Man Podcast, a show for brave men to experience freedom in their faith, sexuality, and relationships. The goal? To provide practical tools and timeless principles that help you become the man you were made to be. And now, your host, Sathya Sam. What's up, everybody? Sathya Sam here. Welcome to the New Man Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you're having a fantastic day. I know I am. And I am really excited to dig into today's content. So, um, you know, yeah, we're just going to jump right in today. Um, here's the deal. Transition is this weird, inevitable part of life. And I don't know what the numbers are. Maybe like 30 to 40% of my clientele are people that have recently undergone major life transitions. So uh, this is probably the most common story that we hear. Um, A guy struggles with porn while he's single, buys into the lie that marriage is going to fix his problem, gets married and goes longer than he had ever gone before without porn. You know, four months, six months, a year, maybe even a couple years. And he thinks to himself, I made it. Like, oh, porn is in the rearview mirror. I'm getting the real thing now. Nothing else to worry about. Good to go. Thank you, Jesus. And then a life transition happens. They have their first kid. They move cities. Job changes. Whatever it might be. Maybe a parent passes away. A major life transition comes and their world comes crashing down. And they are hitting pornography harder than they ever have before because porn has been their medication for decades it's just that medication was latent but when you know sex with your wife is no longer medicine um, because you're dealing with pain that goes beyond that scope then you resort to other places and you know because the roots are not resolved they end up um, they end up engaging in pornography or other sexual misbehavior now, the, the point I'm really trying to make here is that you and I uh, would be wise to learn how to handle transitions because uh, in this example that I've given, it's clear that you know, transitions have this way of exposing things in our lives. And if you thought that you had something figured out, you usually have a pretty good idea of whether it's actually resolved once you go through transition. Again, it's not a foolproof way of going about it, but it can be indicative. But I suppose the other, the other point here is that transitions are inevitable. You know, like as you go on in life, things change in your relationships. I, I think about even the number of transitions my wife and I have gone through. Like we buried five relatives while we were engaged. Uh, we got married. And then within the first year of being married, we bought a house and moved cities. So that was a huge transition. And then within a year of us owning that house, we uprooted and moved to Jamaica. I mean, we've gone through all kinds of changes. And, you know, um, that, that's actually what kind of prompted today's episode is because living in Jamaica has forced me to, to make all kinds of adjustments to my life. Some that I was prepared for and some that I wasn't. And what I've observed is that, you know, there, there's going to be nuances to every single experience. But in general, there are a couple things that you and I can practice on a regular basis as we go through transition. 
and it is sure to keep us on track. There are things that are pretty much guaranteed to help us not just survive transition, but actually capitalize on the unique opportunities that a transition presents. So that's what we're kind of going after today. Now, let me set the stage a little bit with some of the personal transitions I've experienced recently. So in the last five months, I'm trying to think, uh, as I'm recording this, it's early October. So that's the 10th month. So yeah, in the last, um, it's actually shorter than that. In the last four months, three months even, I have transitioned from a full-time job to being a full-time entrepreneur, or it's probably more accurate to call me self-employed at this point. Um, we have a bit of a staff, but uh, nothing full-time. So I've made a transition to being self-employed, being an entrepreneur, doing work, my own work, full-time. Huge life transition. My wife and I have moved out of our house, and we have moved out of our country to Jamaica, where we now have a new place, we have a new environment that we live in, um, a country that is governed by different rules and different laws and different people, a culture that has different nuances and different values and different mannerisms. Um, we made some pretty major adjustments and that's just in the last few months. Now that of course negates all the relational change. You know, like my really close friends are, are no longer just around the corner. Um, and I don't know, I mean, I have some friends where our relationship has been primarily over the phone just because of geographical differences. And yet there's something about living in a different country that kind of exacerbates those changes. So it's been really bizarre, you know, to be honest. It's just been kind of unusual navigating these changes and trying to learn how to deal with them. But all of that is to say that I, I'm learning some things as we go here. Now, there's two specifics that I actually wanted to talk about that have come with living in Jamaica. Uh, the first is cold showers. So basically, um, hot water is not, um, it's not just readily available. Instead, we have hot water tanks here. So if you want a hot shower, that's fine. That is possible. But you have to heat the water tank first and, you know, it takes up to a half hour sometimes to heat it. And then you have hot water ready for your shower. So the first day I was here, I, I really needed to bathe, you know, just I've had a day of travel and I don't think I really showered that day or maybe I did in the morning, but it was a long day and, um, you know, it's like 30 degrees minimum here every day right now. So uh, that pretty much means that even after you shower, you step out and you're sweating again. So I, I, was, I was sticky, you know, and I needed to bathe. So they, they explained the hot water heater thing to me and I'm like, okay, I'm not waiting a half hour. Forget it. I'll just take a, a cold shower. It's fine. So I jump in and I'm like, wait, a cold shower? I hate, I hate cold showers. What am I doing? Why am I here? Why did I make that terrible decision? And, uh, you know, I'm like, well, okay, I'll just make it really quick. And I turn the cold water on and I'm like, I haven't stepped into it. You know, when you kind of move, you can move the shower head away and I've stepped into the shower space, but I haven't actually stepped under the shower head. And I'm kind of like, okay, Am, am I going to do this? What, do I really need to shower that bad? You know, kind of just talking myself out of it purely because I'm anticipating the pain, the discomfort that comes with something that is uh, uncomfortable just to begin with. Like a cold shower is not a pleasant experience. But number two, something that is just different from my norm. So I bite the bullet. I'm like, well, you know what? I, 
it's a, it's a learning opportunity. Or, you know, I, I kind of just talk myself into it somehow. And I get in the cold shower and, oh man, it's just like, it feels like pins and needles and, you know, just little pricks in my skin. And I'm hating every minute of it. Now, to give you a little bit more context, like I love my showers. I don't know why, but I, I think I just, it's like therapy for me. I do, I do my thinking in the shower, I process, I sing. Um, I imagine myself having conversations with friends later in the day or, you know, a difficult work conversation or, you know, like I, I just, I get so much done in the shower and uh, sometimes I just spend way too much time in there. And of course, it's always a hot shower. Like you can't really reach that state uh, in, in a cold shower. So I thought, um, so all to say is like, I'm making a huge sacrifice to take one single cold shower and it feels awful at first. And then, you know, I kind of settle in and I realize, Hey, you know what? This isn't so bad. And I've heard of people taking cold showers in you know, different contexts, like, um, in the porn recovery context, that's actually something that people teach about how to handle triggers or tempting moments is take a cold shower because the cold shower will, um, you know, it, it basically shuts off your arousal system and it certainly will get you focused on other things. That's actually not a bad strategy. Again, I wouldn't call it a strategy, but it's a good tactic, um, a good way to get the ball rolling. In another context, uh, you know, Tony Robbins is one of the most well-known sort of, um, I don't know, life coaches or self-help kind of motivational speakers. And he actually takes a cold bath every morning. Um, he has a, he has this like custom home that's built now, but it has a bath and it's set to a specific temperature. I forget, um, but it's very cold. It's like 67 Fahrenheit or something like that. And he goes for a dip in it every single morning. And what he calls it, I believe is priming your brain. And essentially it is, it is his way of reminding his brain that he is in control, not the brain. The brain might avoid the pain of a cold shower. It may not, it may resist that, um, that lure, but he's going to do it anyway. And he does that every single day just to remind himself that his brain doesn't call the shots. He does. And I love that. I, I really love that. So I, I had reminded myself of some of these things as I'm in a cold, in the cold shower thinking, you know, maybe I need to try this. Like maybe this is actually a good opportunity for me to embrace something different here. I mean, granted, I could take cold shower or warm showers rather. It's not actually that hard. So, you know, I just start thinking like, okay, maybe, maybe there's actually an opportunity embedded here. And I get a chance to take cold showers regularly to remind my brain that I am in control, that my brain doesn't call the shots and that any pain that my brain might try to get me to avoid is actually my choice. And you know, I, I kind of just, I was tinkering with it a little bit. And so the second day I took another cold shower and the third day and the fourth day, and here we are, I don't know how long I've been here now, probably about two and a half weeks. And I haven't taken a hot shower and I've really enjoyed cold showers. And, um, and that, that whole mental journey is actually very much synonymous with handling transition and getting free of pornography and any other major changes that you want to have in your life. Now, I'm going to tell you one more example from living in Jamaica and then we'll kind of get to the crux of it. So Jamaica was colonized by Britain. And what that means is that they drive on the left-hand side of the road. I have been to Britain many a time actually, and I've never really had the chance to drive. So 
um, you know, all of my driving experience in the last 13, 14 years that I've been driving has been on the right-hand side of the road. So anyway, this is my chance to finally uh, seize the opportunity and learn a new skill. And I, I got super shielded basically by our family here in Jamaica. They were, you know, kind of concerned or not concerned, but they were apprehensive and they wanted to kind of show me the ropes and give me a couple lessons and da 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 before I drove. And uh, that was fine. But honestly, I had made up my mind like, this is going to be fine. I can, I can handle this. I don't have anything to worry about. And so I, you know, I don't know. I, I finally came around. I, I got our opportunity. I got in the car and it was so much fun and really scary. Uh, driving in Jamaica is different than driving in a Western culture. Um, you know, drivers are more aggressive and uh, they do abide by certain rules of the road, but maybe not all of them. And it was a really interesting experience, but again, kind of uncomfortable at first, like a little bit thrilling because like it's a new skill and look at me, I'm driving on the left side of the road and all that kind of stuff. I'm super alert, super attentive, and um, you know the roads aren't as maintained here, so there's lots of potholes as well. And I'm not talking about like tiny potholes, like huge potholes where you have to drive to the other side of the road just to get around it. So um, you factor that into you know people's negligence for some of the other rules of the road, and then I'm learning to drive on the left-hand side, and it is an experience to say the least. But all the while, it is it is just constantly paying attention to your nervous system. Uh, governing the thoughts that your brain will come up with to try to find security and comfort and whatever else. And then basically just choosing like what, what level of discomfort am I willing to confront? Because the more I pushed myself as I was driving on the left-hand side of the road, uh, the easier it became. And if, if you don't push yourself beyond the, the zone of comfort, it's very easy to sort of like, um, I'm trying to give an example with driving, like uh, a great example is actually just driving slow. So that's a good way to start. Like you just drive slow, people will drive around you no problem. Um, it's not a big deal. Like people drive fast here and if it's open road, doesn't matter what the speed limit is, they're, they're gonna zip by you if you're not going fast enough kind of thing. So that's fine, like I can start there. But I'm like, well no, I wanna actually like, if they can drive at that speed, I wanna learn how to do it as well. So I, I start to just push myself a bit. And again, like within reason, I'm not doing anything high risk here. But the point is like the more you stretch yourself in the areas of discomfort that you experience in your life, the quicker you will grow. So how do you handle transition like a boss? Well, number one, you have to identify the opportunities within it. Because every transition presents a unique set of opportunities. And if you don't explore those, if you don't um, handle them, or if you don't, you know, really seek them out, then transition can be difficult and much more significantly, you will miss out on an opportunity to grow. So number one is you always want to identify the opportunities. Now secondly, is you want to embrace the discomfort. Embrace the discomfort. And I think this is the part that a lot of guys get stuck on. Like even getting free of pornography, when we see guys go through a program, we find that the challenges they run into 
um, are usually uncomfortable challenges. It's like, well, I don't want to, um, you know, we, we help people find a, what we call a spotter, similar to an accountability partner, but a little bit of a different approach. And, you know, we have guys who are like, ah, oh, well, I don't have anybody in my life who's going to be a spotter. Sorry, I guess I'll just go on to the next thing. And we're like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes here. No, no, no. If you want to get free long term, you have to figure this out. And I know that might mean an uncomfortable conversation with somebody that you don't really want to talk to about this, but you know you should. Or, or maybe it means that, you know, you have to reach out to somebody that you don't know super well, but ask them if they'll be part of this area of your life, like, you know, a, a pastor or a leader or something. Um, but it's like, we are not going to just gloss over this because it wasn't super convenient. There might be some discomfort and some push involved, but if you want to get free long term, this is something you're actually going to have to do. And this is how you handle changes in your life. You identify the opportunities. So it's like, okay, cold showers. Yeah, this is a good chance for me to actually grow in my psychology, to become in even more control of my thought life. Yeah, I'm going to seize that opportunity. Uh, the second thing we want to do is we want to embrace the discomfort. We don't want to run away from it. So as we experience, it's like, okay, I'm going to just drive super slow. That's safe. It's like, well, actually people drive here quite a bit faster, especially in open roads. So I'm going to start to get comfortable driving at faster speeds and faster speeds until I'm able to kind of assimilate with the rest of the drivers here in Jamaica. And number third, and maybe most importantly, is we want to manage expectations. Now this, man, I'm telling you, if there's one piece of advice I could give you in your relationships, whether you're dating, you're engaged, or you're married, learn to manage expectations. See, the, the, the loftier your expectations are during transition, the harder the transitions become. And there's different reasons that we set high expectations. And sometimes they're warranted, sometimes they're not. But generally speaking, we want to be really cautious of our expectations when we transition. And we want to make sure that they're realistic. Um, you know, I think of my, my brother who, you know, I, I talked about him on the podcast a while ago. He just got married uh, about a month and a half ago. And, you know, they, they had done all of their planning and preparations that they could. And, and they had gotten really good at it because they were trying to get married during COVID, which was just a, an absolute nightmare, especially in Canada. And um, I remember him saying the night before, you know, we have all the plans in place. Uh, we're pretty sure something will probably go wrong or, you know, the way we didn't expect it. Probably even a couple things, but you know what? I'm just going to enjoy the day. And you know what? Number one, he enjoyed the day. But number two, nothing went wrong. Like they had a perfect day. And that would have been so different if he was like, everything has to go perfect tomorrow. I just, I hope nothing goes wrong. Because it, it means that even though he had a perfect day, he, he just met status quo. Like he wouldn't have actually been able to enjoy it until the day was over. And that's why monitoring your expectations during a transition can go a really long way. You know, uh, when I moved to Jamaica, I had kind of just made up in my mind, okay, internet's probably going to be a challenge. I, I knew about the driving thing, so I had kind of braced myself for that. And, um, you know, there were a bunch of things where, like, my wife and I just had some conversations, like, hey, are you, are you expecting us to be at your parents' house every day? And, like, how are these interactions going to work? And what do you really envision things going? Or how do you envision things you know, being, and we, we just, we talk through some things to make sure that our expectations on both ends of each other and of our day-to-day -day life here were reasonable. 
And, and that goes a really, really long way to handling transition like a boss. I want to end with a story, and this is another personal story. Um, you guys know I'm an open book. I think um, you know, sharing your life is important, especially in this area. For probably about two and a half years, I was very interested in a girl, a girl who is not my wife. And, you know, I, I was wise enough to not fall into the traps of like, God told me and I know she's the one and that sort of thing. But I, I don't know. I was just really infatuated with this girl and, and really bound and determined to make things work. And I, I prayed about it and I talked to friends about it. And, you know, nobody said like yes or no or whatever. It was just like, oh, cool, man. You know, she's, she's really nice. She's amazing. Um, good looking girl. Like, go for it kind of thing. And it took me a, a probably, I don't know, a year maybe to kind of muster up the courage to even put myself out there in that kind of light. And it didn't go well. Like I just, I didn't really get much of a response. And I sort of continued to have feelings for this person and just, it was this on and off thing. I, I, I really wanted to make it work, but I knew like she didn't seem to be interested. So then I, I moved along and then things kind of came around and it looked like maybe she was interested. So then I started kind of engaging again and then like made another move and it was a no or it was like kind of crickets and, you know, um, it was, it was frustrating. And, um, you know, that's just, that's how these things go sometimes. That girl was my wife's maid of honor. <laughs> so when I started dating uh, Shaloma, um, I actually didn't know that they were good friends. I knew that they had a friendship, but I found out very quickly that they were actually best friends. And so it was probably on our second or third day where the subject came up and, you know, Shaloma at the time didn't know about my former interest. And, and so we're, we're talking about it and I, in the back of my head, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is the worst news I could have heard. Like, what am I going to do? And um, I remember talking to a, a friend of mine uh, and it was, you know, this is one of my, one of my best friends and he uh, also stood beside me at, at my wedding day. And, uh, you know, I was explaining the situation to him, like, oh, man, I really like uh, Shaloma and I'm super interested in her. But, um, but dude, she's like, she's best friends with, you know, this girl that I've been interested in for, for a couple of years now. And this girl that I've, like, you know, overtly pursued here uh, without any results. And I'm like, I, I was just, I was so afraid of the ramifications of, like, Shaloma feeling inferior and maybe Shaloma getting... I don't know, an incomplete story from her or a different story that would paint me in a bad light. And I had all these fears and all these concerns and I'm talking to my friend and I'm kind of just like expressing to him my fears. And he's just like, dude, this situation is what you make of it. And I, I thought about it and I was like, right, right. Like I'm setting some really bad expectations for how this change in my life is going to take place this is actually what I make of it. This could go okay. And if it did go very poorly, then I can start to think through some of my responses and some of the ways that I would handle that so that on my end, I'm coming from a place of health and a place of reason and rationale. And it really helped me to, um, I would say, set my expectations to learn to confront discomfort 
and to embrace the opportunity that I had here, which was just to have an honest conversation with my wife about some parts of my past. Um, she wasn't my wife at the time, my girlfriend or a girl I was interested in. Just to talk with her and, and to be open and, and transparent and, and then to hope that it would kind of propel our relationship forward and not hinder it. But understanding that it could cause a hindrance and if it did, we would just have to deal with it. And that might be the end of it and I would have to be willing to live with that. It was so, so helpful. So I want to encourage you, if you're going through changes in your life, relationally, vocationally, geographically, uh, mentally, familially, uh, socially, financially, like whatever it might be, there are three things that you can do that are going to help you handle transition like a boss. Number one, we want to identify the opportunities. There are always opportunities for us. We simply have to look for them. Number two is we want to confront discomfort as quickly as possible, knowing that the quicker we, dis we uh, confront the discomfort, the quicker we will adapt. So we want to confront the discomfort. And number three, we want to monitor and manage our expectations and ensure that what we are anticipating of the transitions to come are reasonable and realistic. And I'm telling you guys, if you do those three things, you will handle transition like a boss. You can drive on the left-hand side of the road. You can take cold showers. You can date uh, a girl's best friend after being interested in the other person for a couple years. You can do whatever it is that you want. You can handle any change in life if you apply these three things. I pretty much guarantee it. Hey, thank you guys so much for listening. And, um, you know, one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about this is because getting free of porn is a major transition in your life, a transition where you have to seek opportunities, even in your relapses and your slips and the hardships of your past. You have to confront uh, uncomfortable parts of your current situation and the habits you formed, as well as parts of your past and some of the things that have led to your problematic behavior. And you have to adjust your expectations, knowing that you may not get free of porn right away, but if you apply principles that actually work, if you get some coaching, some guidance along the way, and you get integrated into a community of guys who are pursuing that same goal of lifetime freedom, then you have a very good chance of managing that transition with excellence and success. And if that's something that you're looking for, uh, I want to encourage you uh, to look at the ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's going to give you access to a little ebook I created with my best practices for getting free of porn and staying free long term. And if you're really ready to commit to a program and to get plugged in, then you can book a time to speak with me directly. Uh, it's not somebody else on my team, it's actually me personally. And I will sit down, I'll listen to your story, assess your situation, and come up with a solution that is going to be best suited for you. So you can do that at satheasam.com slash case dash study. The link is in the show notes uh, to both of those resources. But guys, thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a phenomenal day and I hope that today's episode helps you lead your life with confidence and integrity. Have an amazing day. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The New Man Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, you can share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, please sign up for the weekly newsletter at www.sathiasam.com or follow on Instagram at Sam. Thanks again and see you next time.